morning, everyone. Uh, this, this triangle uh, has become or, or is becoming pretty helpful for a lot of us here at Windsor. I introduced it uh, months ago during a series in Acts, and then I included it again during the past couple of Sundays as we have thought about our, our church vision. And all it is, or what it is, is a really simple visual reminder for us as Christians to live up, in, and out. To love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, up. To love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, in. And to love our neighbor as ourselves, out. Today, as we get back into our series in 1 Peter, this triangle features again. And one aspect in particular, the, the in dimension, because as we pick up from where we left off, and it was four weeks ago, but as we pick up from where we left off four weeks ago, Peter is writing to Christians to confirm how they have got to love one another deeply from the heart thought it was really interesting as, as Gordon led us in a prayer of confession before we ate and drank together, that one of the lines in that prayer of confession was, Father, for, forgive us for not loving one another as Jesus taught us to. And so as we come to this reading today and what Peter says, Peter is saying to Christians, listen guys, you've got to love one another in the church, you've got to love one another. Now, because it is four weeks since we, we last looked at this, let me quickly retrace some of what Peter has been saying. You'll remember that he, that he starts this letter by reminding his readers and by reminding us who we are and whose we are. And so he says, you are elect exiles. You are chosen citizens of heaven. This is not your true home. You're sojourners. You're strangers, you're aliens here now, but you're chosen sojourners and you belong to the Father, the Spirit, and the Son. That's your identity. That's who you are, that's whose you are. And as a result, you'll remember Peter says, do you know what you should do as a result of this? You should sing your heart, say praise. Praise God because of this. And they should also sing, he says, because you have been given new birth. You've been born again, and we'll come back to that. Plus, you have a living hope. Plus, you have a guaranteed future inheritance. Plus, you are shielded by God's power. And having clarified this, Peter then kind of shifts gear, and he explains how Christians should live in light of these immense truths and facts and realities. And in verses 13 to 21 of chapter 1, he draws attention, you may remember if you were here four weeks ago, to four ways that Christians should conduct themselves as they journey, as they travel through this life towards the next and we looked at this a month ago. And so he says, listen, you should travel with clear heads and focused thinking as you keep in mind the return of Jesus. Jesus is coming again. And you need to think about that. You need to be aware of that. You need to live in light of that. Secondly, you need to be holy. You need to live lives that are set apart for God and that are set apart from the world. 
And you're not just to be holy full stop, but you're to be holy as God is holy. And so God's character should shape your day-to-day life. Thirdly, you should live with reverent fear as you anticipate coming judgment. We're all going to be judged. You need to live in light of that, in reverent fear. Not scared of it, but you you need to live before God with reverence and respect and a sense of awe as you journey towards coming judgment. And fourthly, you need to travel with deep gratitude as you keep looking to the cross, as we've done this morning. And so let me, let me ask you a question. As you look at those four ways, and if you were here four weeks ago, as you think back over the past month, how have you been doing with the doing of God's word? How have you been doing with the doing of God? How have you got on practicing what we're learning and discovering together? Because as God's word says, like, if we just listen to this stuff and don't do it, we're just, we're just deceiving ourselves. So how have you got on doing the doing? Okay, we're going to press on. Let's stand as we read the next part of God's living and enduring word. This is 1 Peter 1. It's verses 22, which is where we left off four weeks ago, and we're going to read through to verse 3 of chapter 2. And although this little section in our Bibles is separated by a chapter break, it actually makes much more sense to read it all together. So here it goes. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Or if you look at a footnote, if you're using an NIV, for example, it says, love one another deeply from a pure heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For, and this is Peter quoting Isaiah, for all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. And like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Grab a seat. If you have a Bible open, it'll be really handy. Look up at verse 2. In verse 2, Peter reminds his readers that they have been given new birth, that they have been born again. And here again in verse 23 that we just read together, he says it again. And what he also does again is he reminds them that you see this new birth, you see the fact you're born again, it's all a work of God. It's all a work of God. And so in verse 2, look up at it. He says, in his great mercy, God has given you new birth. You didn't earn this. You didn't deserve this. You have been given this. And then here in verse 23, Peter puts it like this. Now, apologies in advance for those who get a little uneasy about certain words or ideas said in church. Okay. So here's what Peter says. Do you see your first birth? Your arrival onto this planet, that came about as a result of your dad's sperm. Okay? Perishable seed. 
That's what he's referring to here. Now, I know that Peter is aware that there was probably an egg and fertilization involved, but he's not teaching on by, he's just making a point. He says, you were born, your arrival onto this planet was through perishable seed. As far as this life is concerned, says Peter, it's going to end. We all perish because we've been born through perishable seed. And so in verse 23, he goes on to say, or later on, he goes on to quote Isaiah and says, listen, we're all mortals. One out of one people die. It's a bit like grass. All grass eventually withers. And everybody knows this. And so Peter's just making a point. But then he goes on to say, see this new birth. This new birth's different. This comes about via a totally different seed. This comes about via the imperishable seed of God's living and enduring word. And again, going back to Isaiah chapter 40, which he quotes in verse 25, he says, see this seed, this seed lasts forever. It endures. It doesn't end. It's eternal. And therefore, the life that you have been given through that seed is eternal life. It's everlasting life. It never ends. You will live forever, not because of your first birth, but because of your new birth. I I love how the message words this verse. Your new life is not like your old life. Your old birth came from mortal sperm. Your new birth comes from God's living word. And so twice in this chapter, Peter has emphasized their new birth. Twice at the start of the letter, he gets his readers to go back to the fact that they have been, that they are born again. And you see, whenever you're being persecuted, whenever you're feeling got at, the importance of knowing this and knowing that beyond this perishable world is an imperishable one, which is in fact my true home. When you know that, and are reminded about that in the face of opposition and imminent death, it is invaluable. So Peter is encouraging his readers to say, listen guys, remember, you have been born again of an imperishable seed. You're going to live forever. This is not your true home. And if you hear nothing else this morning, simply take a moment, take some time today to say, God, Thank you that I've been born again. Thank you that that is my story, if it is your story. Thank God for it. As Gordon said earlier, we all, we all know Billy Graham died on Thursday. And during a, a recent interview, he said this. And, and you've probably heard this because it's been played and, and quoted a lot during the past few days. Billy Graham said this, someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed the dress. I will have gone into the presence of God. Billy Graham got this. Mike, Governor, Governor Mike Huckabee tweeted on Thursday afternoon, news of Billy Graham's death is fake news. Brilliant. He's more alive than ever. The life he now lives will never end. You see, those, those guys got this. They understood this. Yeah, we've all been born by perishable seed, but you see, if you've been born again, you've been born again by imperishable seed. 
the enduring living word of God and therefore you have eternal life and you will never die. So we go back to the text. So Peter, up to this point, if you were here four weeks ago, you'll know that, that he's now advising Christians in light of that fact that they've been born again and in light of the fact that he reminds them that they've been born again, he's been telling them, listen, this is now how you should live. This is now how you should conduct yourself. Here's how you should do life in the here and now as you journey towards your true home. And in the verses we read together this morning, he instructs them to do two things. And I just want to leave two things with you this morning. He instructs them to do two things. And and the first takes us back to the in dimension of our triangle. Because Peter makes the point that you see this new born again life that you have. Do you know what? It's got to be marked by love. That's the proof that you've been born again. That's what characterizes new birth. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now, you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply from a pure heart. He says, listen, if we are born again, if we are cleansed of our sin, if we have obeyed the truth of the gospel, which many of us have, then he says you've got to love each other within these walls. It's one of the identifying features of an authentic Christian life. I've quoted John 13, 35 a couple of times during the past couple of weeks, and we all know it, but as Jesus draws closer to the end of his life, he gives his disciples one command. Just one command. He says, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another. That's it. And he went on to say, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Years ago, Francis Schaeffer wrote a book called The Mark of the Christian. It's become a bit of a classic. But in that book, he stressed how our love for one another is the ultimate apologetic the ultimate apologetic. It speaks volumes to a watching world. This is what powerfully communicates. And so he claimed that only with this mark may the world know that Christians are indeed Christians. That's a strong comment, but all he's doing is echoing Jesus. He's just saying, Jesus just said, listen, if you are my disciples, loving one another will prove to the world that you belong to me. And so here in 1 Peter 1, the apostle is stressing the need to live like this, the in-dimension of our triangle. And he highlights how we must show sincere love to one another. It's got to be a bit more than feelings. It's got to go beyond feelings. It's active love that values others, that expresses itself in tangible ways. It's love that's demonstrated. And as Christians and as believers in this local church, that that is our challenge. This is our Jesus-given commandment. This is a hallmark of the real deal. And so let, let me ask you this morning, do you love each other deeply from your heart? Do you? We're back to the heart of the matter. It's the matter of the heart. How's your heart this morning towards those sitting around you? Is it full of love? Is it pure How is that heart being sincerely shown towards other Christians in this place and beyond? Peter's teaching alongside that and so much of the rest of the New Testament is clear. Born again people must love one another. Really simple. 
born again people must love one another. But Peter doesn't leave it at that. He doesn't just leave his readers to work out how to do this better or what they might need to do to action and to change or to action to change the need to do this and for it to become a reality. Peter knows, as we all do, that this isn't easy. And therefore, he goes on to help them along this path of authentic Christian discipleship by telling them what they've got to do in order to live this out, in order to conduct themselves appropriately as brothers and sisters and siblings in the family of God. And so what he does is he highlights five sins. He says, listen, here's five sins you've just got to address. Here are five sins that tear at the social fabric of a church. Here are five things that rip away the threads of the love that's going to keep you together. And he says, you know what you've got to do with these five things? You've got to get rid of them. And in verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and all envy and all slander of every kind. Now remember, Peter is writing to the elect chosen, born-again people of God. But just because they are clearly doesn't mean they never do any of this. Clearly doesn't mean Christians never get it wrong, never mess up, never make mistakes. But as a result of our new birth, we have the ability, we have the calling to deal with this stuff in our lives when it raises its ugly head. And it does. I mean, let's, let's be honest about this. It does in churches raise its ugly head. Christians don't always love one another within the walls of the church, never mind beyond the walls. The number of churches that split, the number of Christians who speak ill and badly of other Christians, who make judgments on other Christians. It's honestly madness, it's crazy. And what does it say to our watching world? It says, well, do you know what? They're not the real deal. Because Jesus said that it's by your love for one another that you will prove to a watching world that you are my disciples. And all of the sins that are mentioned here, they harm relationships. They destroy community. They hinder Christian love and true fellowship. And therefore, Peter says, you've got to get rid of them. So what does it mean to get rid of? What does it mean to put away these things, as it says in the, in the ESV version? Well, we're back to something that we dealt with during our series in Ephesians, because the verb here can be used in reference to taking off your clothes. And so just like Paul in Ephesians, for those who were here as part of that series, just like Paul in Ephesians, Peter is urging Christians to remove these sins, to take off this particular attitude or behavior, to take it off and to lay it aside or to stick it in the wash basket if you kind of want to push this a bit. And it's a present command. Read yourselves. It's a present command. And therefore, it's something we've got to do. It's something we've got to obey on a regular daily basis. Because it is tempting, isn't it, to pull some of this stuff back on again? And for some of us, we've maybe taken it off at some stage. But it's so tempting at times to pull it back on again whenever someone else treats you in one of these ways. Whenever you're having a bad day, whenever you're busy, whenever you've got a chip on your shoulder, whenever you can't be bothered, it's just easier to pull on this kind of gear again. It's so much harder to love than to do these things. 
Peter says, listen, see if you're going to love one another deeply, sincerely, from a pure heart, then these things have got to go malice. Any kind of ill will towards someone else. And it's got to go. Deceit. This tendency to mislead or to lie or to exaggerate or to twist the truth to just get at somebody else. It's got to go. Hypocrisy, pretense, being two-faced. This idea of saying we love someone and then our actions completely contradicting that. It's got to go. Envy, resenting others because of their advantages, because of their possessions, because of their life. Slander, spreading false stories, talking behind someone else's back. All of those things impede Christian growth, community life, credible witness, Christ-likeness. And therefore, Peter says to his readers, you need to deal with this stuff. You need to be ruthless about it. And if you're here this morning and you've allowed any of those to become part of your dress code, if any of those things have kind of crept back into your wardrobe, please, as I go back to what I said, please, please don't just hear God's word. Do it. Do it. The second thing Peter instructs them to do, so the first thing he instructs them to do, love one another sincerely, deeply, from the heart. Second thing he instructs them to do, and it's linked, and it's found in verse 2 of chapter 2. He says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. But what does that mean? What does it mean? Well, for a start, don't think Peter's implying these Christians are immature. Or they're new Christians. Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 and the writer to Hebrews in chapter 5 of that letter, they do have those kind of Christians in mind when they write about milk. Okay? Peter doesn't. For Peter, every Christian, irrespective of age or stage, is like a newborn baby requiring milk in order to grow up as they journey on and navigate their way through this life. So the question then is, What is the pure spiritual milk that we all must crave? Well, although it's slightly nuanced, ultimately this is understood to be a direct reference to the Word of God because it's by this that we grow. This is the necessary food and fuel for each and every Christian. It's the staple that we do not live on bread alone, as Jesus would tell the devil when he was quoting from the Torah. We do not live on bread alone, but we live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Like a mother's milk, God's word provides us with the essential vitamins and immune-fighting ingredients to strengthen our faith and enable us to grow. But unlike a baby who outgrows the need for their mother's milk, we never outgrow our need for pure spiritual milk. Never. 
No matter what age or stage we're at, in verse 23, Peter made the point. You see your new life. You know that new birth that started by the imperishable seed. How did it come to you? Through God's living and enduring word. That's how this all started, this new life. Through God's living and enduring word. And so now he's saying you've got to be sustained by it. It started. This is how your life started, your new life. You've got to be sustained by it, by continually eating it, by taking it on board. And so we've got to read this. We've got to reflect on this. We've got to study this. We've got to learn this. Bible reading, Bible study, Bible engagement has simply got to be a feature of our daily lives. It just has to be. And I want to give you three words, three practices to take away in terms of Scripture today. And they're these, munch, meditate, memorize. Right? There's three words. I'll start with the same letter, true Baptist that I am. Right? Munch, meditate, memorize. Eat this book. Jesus says, man doesn't live in bread alone, but on every word, God's word. Every, you need to eat this, consume this. Take it on board. It's as necessary as milk is to every single newborn. And meditate on it. Read it slowly. Read it deliberately. Read it prayerfully. Read it reflectively. Allow God's word to get absorbed into your spiritual bloodstream. Chew it over. Allow it to shape you and inform you. Practice Lecto Divina, a brilliant contemplative way of reading scripture. Meditate on God's word. And memorize it. Hide God's word in your heart that you may not sin against him. Get into the habit of committing scripture to memory. I know we've, we've kind of done this together at times or tried to as a church. But can I encourage you? Memorize scripture. Commit it to memory. Munch, meditate, memorize. But did you notice how Peter tells us we must approach scripture? Crave it. And that's what it boils down to. Crave pure spiritual milk. And the question is, do you? Do I? Do you actually crave it? It's a strong word. It implies an ardent, zealous desire. And so just like newborn babies who crave their mother's milk, so Peter says, you've got to long for God's word. And so as I finish this morning, How's your engagement been with the Bible this week? Do you have a constant craving for it? We're all busy, I know. So many other things that distract. Just don't have the time, don't have the energy. And I know we can be at different seasons and all of that, and they're they're all perfectly legitimate. But you see, if we're truly born again of the Spirit of God, of this imperishable seed of God's living and enduring word, if we're born again, he says, if you're going to grow, here's how you need to conduct your life in the here and now as you travel towards your true home. You need to consume God's word. You need to feed on it. You need to feast on it. You need to eat it. You need to digest it. 
And so if I was to sum up this morning what I've been trying to say, what I understand is part of Peter's teaching in this section, it's this. Peter says, listen, church, as born-again people of God, and that's what you are, and give thanks to God for that, but as born-again people of God, will you love the people of God? And will you love the Word of God? Will you love the people of God? Will you love the Word of God? In and up is addressed in this text this morning.